Hello and welcome to a special edition of Booktopia On, where we are on Halloween today. Uh, joining me today are um, Category Manager for Nonfiction, Joel Naum. Hello, Joel. Hi, Mark. And Category Manager for Kids and YA, Sarah McDooling. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And uh, I forgot to introduce myself. I am Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia. Uh, so it's that time of year, Halloween. We're thinking about all the scary things that we've that we've read. And I thought I'd start off by asking the question, what is the scariest book or scariest thing you've ever read? Uh, Sarah, why don't you go first? Uh, it's, such a, it's such an interesting question because I don't, as someone who enjoys reading, like, crime and I guess by extension horror and suspense like I don't get scared I just kind of like I guess I like the suspense so when I when you ask the scariest book I honestly don't know my favorite book in in the flavor of scary is probably one I reread recently in anticipation of the Netflix uh, movie that's coming out or has just come out uh, Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier that's just one of my favorite suspenseful reads because it's just you know, it's, it's a suspense with like a strong mystery element and gothic overtones, which I think qualifies, right? It, and while I don't, I, I never at any point I'm literally scared of it, I love the suspense and I love, um, I love the whole atmosphere of that book. Uh, I just, the, the wonderful gothicness of it, the whole vibe of it, the, the like oppressive, like, um, mystery hanging over it like the the presence of Rebecca who's dead before the story even begins but is such a like presence hanging over the whole story and like the creepiness of um the housekeeper Mrs Danvers like all of those things combined to just to me it's so fun right so like I um I that's probably one of my favorites and also anything written by Wilkie Collins, who I'm slowly but surely working my way through all of his books. Every time I read one, I remind myself how much I love his writing because he's so just oozing melodrama with these like larger than life um, characters. Like one of the last ones, it's a while ago now, but one of the last of his I read was The Haunted Hotel. And I don't know if either of you have read that one or any of his books but so he's like he wrote the woman in white he's probably most famous for the woman in white and the moonstone and these these things are just like wildly melodramatic amazing characters particularly i love the female characters particularly given the time that it was written um but the haunted hotel is just this like it's just so stylish. I don't know how else to say it. Like he just has a real flair for for gothic melodrama and the whole premise of this. You know, you've got like these these characters. Like there's a the main character is a countess who like basically steals another of the main character's fiancés, and she's got this brother who's like a, a I don't know how to say it. He's like a mad scientist. He's a crazy chemist down in the basement, like making all of this crazy stuff and he's in love with his sister which is a mild spoiler so sorry <laughs> it's just spoiled <laughs> a book written in the late 1800s <laughs> but like um it's just you know there's always there's always wonderful ghost stories and um I like when it comes to scary books I guess I like the sort of old-fashioned classics um 
unless you qualify general crime novels as included in this area. But I don't know. Do they do they count? Yeah, I I, I think anything that 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 scares you or upsets you, I guess, would, would fall under mm. the umbrella to me. What about well, you? What's, uh, what's the scariest book you've ever read? Uh, me? Yeah. Um, I don't tend to read books that are just for the scariness. Um, I do like the feeling of being a bit scared. Uh, and again, probably like Sarah, I, some of the like classic horror is, is, is the ones that I've most familiar with in terms of just the horror genre. So like um, the sort of Cthulhu books, Lovecraft books, I read a whole bunch of those um, many years ago and still love them. Um, and they are genuinely really creepy. <clears throat> um, so The Mountain of Madness is probably my favourite. And I think that's being adapted into a movie soon. I think it was many years ago, but I think... Uh, and there's a lot of tropes in that that uh, are seen everywhere else, but it's still, I still would like to see that adapted. I think that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a spin-off of Lovecraft, I haven't read the book yet, but I've just almost finished the TV series of Lovecraft Country, which is a um, spin-off of uh, sort of Cthulhu myth, uh, Lovecraft horror, Lovecraftian horror, but it's set in um, the 40s <clears throat> in the United States and uh, among black characters who are facing the, the sort of terror of dealing with white people, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's sort of flipped that. So there's, there's genuine Lovecraftian horror, supernatural <laughs> shit going on. But on top of that, there's a light and more frightening than the actual monsters is the fact that they have to navigate like towns that are like sundown towns where you have to sunset towns, I think they're called where you basically you have to be out of the there's this absolutely terrifying scene in the in the show that um <clears throat> is you know where they're trying to get out of this sunset town before the sun goes down they have to get out of the county basically and they can't speed because the police will pull them over and beat them up so they have to just drive at a normal speed to get out and the tension of them getting out in time because they could just get killed by the police is so terrifying. <laughs> uh, and, and like contrasting it with the sort of supernatural horror um, is just fantastic. It's fantastic. So I really want to read that book. I haven't actually read it, so it's not really a book recommendation. The <laughs> show sure sounds amazing. Uh, but it, it, I definitely want to. Um, probably the scariest book I've ever read, though, is sort of a horror book, supernatural book, is The House of Leaves. Um, which isn't traditionally scary, but it's like very, very disturbing. Yeah. It messes with your conception of um, what a book should be and um, and what's going on. You start to feel a little bit haunted by reading it. Um, <clears throat> you've read that, haven't you, Mark? I have read that, and I feel the yeah. same. It's one of those books yeah. that really sticks with you after you yeah. turn the Bible. Yeah, it's, the it's been years I read it, but it's stays. It has stayed with me the whole time. Really, really scary. And the other book that I wanted to mention um, is uh, Pedido Street Station, which is a China Mieville book. China Mieville in general, I would say, is like the closest to horror that I read, even though he's not, he would never be described as just a horror novel. It's weird fiction, I guess, um, spec fic. Um, and Pedido Street Station has this monster in it, a sort of moth creature that feeds off people's dreams and fears. <clears throat> and it's the way that it's, it's Slake Moth, I think it's called. It's uh, it's a, it's just a terrifying 
horror creation and I absolutely love it. I love that book. It's, it's really, really great. Um, but I'll leave it there. I could keep going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny you mentioned China Mieville because um, I, I was going to say one of the scariest things I've ever read is, is a short story by China Mieville. Have you read um, his collection, Three Moments of an Explosion? No. That sounds oh. great. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting short story collection that he published. It's probably like maybe a decade ago now. Um, but there is a story like in the middle of it. And it's like mainly like his weird out there fiction. But then there's this pure horror short story in there. It's like 30 pages of just like terrifying, um, terrifying stuff. And, and the, the concept at the heart of it, um, I'll probably be a little bit spoilerific about it, but I think it's it just kind of goes to show how sinister it is. But there's, um, there's a couple and uh, they're staying by a lake um, in the countryside in Germany. And um, one day, one of them starts to hear a rooster crow and the other one doesn't hear it. And this rooster starts crowing like in the middle of the night. And then she starts sensing that there's like things in the room with her and, and stuff. And then she freaks out, she leaves because she can't stay there. Her partner stays behind and then her partner goes missing. Um, and so she comes back to try and investigate what happened. She's convinced that something supernatural has happened. And as she is investigating, she discovers that there was this medieval way of executing people, which was that they would take um, uh, uh, women who had been adulterous and they would sew them into a sack with a, a rooster, an ape, and a snake. Sew them into a snack, sew them into a sack with those creatures and throw them into a lake. And oh my god. <laughs> so it's, it's very, <laughs> it sounds like very, something out of midsummer. I know, it's like <laughs> it's horrifically hardcore um and very disturbing. And the the way that he just constructs the story around this is just absolutely terrifying. Um and the 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 kind of the end, the way that he wraps it up is just like it just sears an image into your brain of just like bleak nihilistic hopelessness that oh, I've not been able to shake in like a decade. So. Oh, wow. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Well, speaking of books that leave that feeling with you and you can't shake them, I might revise or add to my answer by saying a book that I always remember when I read, read it with like almost regret because, because the, the feeling it left was so unpleasant is, um, American Psycho, mm -hmm. like that, that's one that's really sort of, I will never reread that book. Like, not that I, not that I didn't enjoy it, but usually when I enjoy something, I keep it because I think I might revisit it. I will never revisit that book. I've, um, read, that book, I've read that book like three times. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I really like it. I don't like going back there. I don't want to go back. <laughs> It's like it's it's so extreme um, and so disgusting. Um, yeah, look, very good, but well, I don't. Having done it, I don't want to go back ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Um, how, how do we define horror? I mean, it's it's hard because it is I know hard. that there is obviously there's a sort of generic horror, very obvious horror genre, the sort of stuff that you know Stephen King used to write and still sometimes does. Um, mm. That's like supernatural content. So usually set in a contemporary setting, but could be historical and um, supernatural, just there to scare you. But there's so much more stuff that has horror components to it that I think, you know, would would be fantasy or 
um, science yeah. fiction or, or just a thriller that has a horror component to it that um, I think I sort of ticks the box. The line. You, could, mm. you could move the whole crime category under horror if you wanted to, but, yeah, like, for ex- example, I, mean, I don't even think of Stephen King as horror. Isn't that weird? Like, I could have said The Shining might have been one of the scariest books I've ever read, but when I... I didn't think of it because it didn't, I don't know. There's, oh, I don't know if it's just my head, but like scary is the wrong word when I think of horror. Like, isn't, that's weird, right? It's disturbing or creepy or. Or yeah, like, just, I, yeah, like tense, like tense and suspenseful. Mm. I, I equate to good, right? So if a book is keeping yeah. me on the hook and I'm all tense and I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? To me, that's a good book. And I don't finish that thinking, oh, I was so scared. See, for me, um, I, I think yeah. what, um, what, what for me is the distinction between something that's just kind of a, a dark, brutal, thrilling novel and something that's actually horrific is the sense of the uncanny. And I think something like House of Leaves has that in abundance where you read that book mm. and there's just something not right about, about mm. the world that's been set up, what's happening to the characters. There's something that's like, you know, almost against nature about, about the things that are, that are happening. Mm. Um, you know, kind of beyond supernatural, just that sense of like that unease. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, those two Blake Crouch books that you recommended I read, Mark, that I did read immediately and read very, very quickly. I think they have like definite elements of horror where they're sci fi, but the, con- the sci fi concept at the core of them is horrifying mm-hmm. in, bo- in both books. Yeah. Um, and really sort of tweaks that part of your brain that's like oh this shouldn't happen and I, I, that's why i'm wondering because i was thinking of those two books and i was like they they sort of tick that box for me but um because they're more than just tense <clears throat> yeah it, it, yeah there like, has to be a disturbing element that mm. something upsetting and disturbing to really qualify as horror yeah yeah and yeah. like i can't think of that many books that genuinely disturbed me so much that i wouldn't go back to them except mark's favorite book obviously <laughs> <laughs> i read horror as a child not as a child child but as a like a teenager and a, like a adolescent younger adolescent um where i remember being really scared at like the age of 11 reading there's a particular goosebumps novel that i was never able to finish <laughs> oh did you read the fear much. street books uh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I read them. And so the, I remember being scared of them then, and then at some point I just aged out of it, or maybe I just stopped reading the ones that were genuinely scary. <laughs> <laughs> I was, when, I, when I was a kid, the book that I read, that's not a horror novel, but that really frightened me, was, um, funnily enough, H.G. Uh, Wells's War of the Worlds. Oh. The fear of God into me. Um, and I think it was just something about, like, the... Uh, you know the 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 image of the like high tech Martian machines in like Victorian um, London, like just that that was just something yeah. that, like something about that just in my lizard brain like really freaked me out. Mm. Yeah, like no, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's great adaptation of War of the Worlds that's just been made They're like a European co-production. Oh, I still um, haven't seen that. I do want to watch it. It's fantastic. And it, it definitely has horror components to it as an adaptation. Yeah. I think they're trying to... They're, all of the um, Martians, Martian robots, look like um, those... What are they called? Boston Electronics or whatever that company's called. 
that makes the robot, the dog robots. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're constantly hearing these these creatures come, and they, they run and bound like exactly like those things. Ugh. I think oh, it really like it. It gets your reptile brain totally. Uh, <laughs> in the same way that watching those just videos of those benign things carrying luggage or whatever, yeah, it messes with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think like my next question was, what makes a good scary or creepy book? But I feel like we've kind of just touched on that in in our yeah. I think we so um, let's move on to the next point, which is um, what recent releases or authors currently writing in this space have taken your fancy. Um, Sarah, do you have anybody um, that you're reading? Yeah. That, uh... This is such a hard question to answer because as as we were discussing, I mean, I don't, I haven't read anything recently released in horror unless you count recent crime releases. And so if that, if that counts, mm-hmm. then um, the one that I read recently that I most loved is The Survivors by Jane Harper. And I like it because of, again, because of that atmosphere. If you set a creepy sort of eerie atmosphere for me, I don't almost even care what happens in the story. I will just enjoy living in that living in that atmosphere. And this book, The Survivors, really has that because it's, it's set on this coastal Tasmanian town and it's all, like, grey and windswept and, you know, the ocean is, like, really featured strongly um, in the book because, uh, you know, there's, as with most Jane Harper books, there's like a few different mysteries going on, like as a cold case and things that happened in the past. So in the distant, distant past of this town, there was a shipwreck and a bunch of people died and there were just a few survivors. And then someone built a monument on a rock out in the ocean to the survivors of this shipwreck and it just has three people staring out to sea. And so through the course of this book, which also contains a cold case mystery of the more recent past where there's a, a missing girl and a tragic, some tragic deaths um, for the people who were trying to rescue people in a storm on boats. So, like, there's just a lot of death by the ocean in this. <laughs> and um, throughout the course of the novel, everyone, the, these survivor statues sort of loom over everything in this creepy way and like um people just judge the time of day based on how submerged the survivors are in the ocean and so then there's a lot of tension around a lot of the story takes place in these cavernous caves where the ocean comes in really quickly around tide or if there's a storm and you can drown in them really easily so i mean it it was genuinely suspenseful um but in the way that I like, where I'm probably going to read that book again. <laughs> you know, so if, that, if that qualifies as, I don't know if it's horror, but it's certainly suspenseful and scary. Well, it's how, you can say it's Halloween, right? It, it's, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it fits our overall thing, even if it's yeah. not technically horror. <laughs> um, I, I was going to mention a couple of things. Um, something that, that I've been um, trying to get into lately is, I know I said, like, what new, new, um, recent releases or, or authors currently writing in this space um, have taken your fancy. But um, uh, there's a US publisher called Valancourt, and they have gone out and reissued a whole bunch of old pulpy um, <gasps> horror books. Um, 
the 70s. Um, I've got one here which I can hold up for, I mean, we're podcasting, but we, we, Visualize can, in a podcast. we can see each other. <laughs> but, um, Ooh, oh, the Nest by um, Gregory A. Douglas. So this was like first published in like the late 70s, early 80s. And it's just, it, it's a pulpy book about an um, island community that is attacked by giant carnivorous cockroaches. Um, <laughs> And they just like that would really genuinely disturb me. Yeah, it's just they just like swarm all over people and just like eat them, eat like even eat their bones, like until there's like nothing Whoa. left. And people are disappearing on this on this island. And it's like it's very, very dark. Like at one point there's a ferry full of kids that like crashes ashore on the island and the cockroaches get them all. Like all the children get brutally deconstructed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I can't cope with that stuff. So, That's so too much for me, I think. So they have. So there's a whole bunch of these um, that that are currently either out now or being published under um, a banner called Paperbacks from Hell, um, which was the name of a book written by um, Grady Hendrix, who wrote um, Horror Story: My Best Friend's Exorcism, um, which is again just about like those awesome pulpy books from the from the late seventies and early eighties when they used to have like the really cool covers like this, where it's like mm. an actual gross illustration. Um, and then I read another one of those, um, which is called uh, Let's Go Play at the Adamses, um, I think, um, which is about a group of children who decide to kidnap and torture their babysitter. Um, oh, my God. It, it's, it's terrible. Like, it's an awful, awful <laughs> But extremely pulpy and kind of fun if you can get over, like, some of the, the oh, awful. The premise. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the premise and the characters. Um, I'm curious. That premise has made me curious. Um, but there's there's a whole bunch of, of of those that are that are currently um kind of in the process of of being published. Um and I'm trying to get my hands on as many of them as I can. So that's that's one thing. Um another thing that I wanted to mention um was a, a, an author I've been getting into recently uh, is a guy called Paul Tremblay, who wrote a book called The Cabin at the End of the World. Um, book called A Head Full of Ghosts. He's written one called Survivor Song. He's got a whole bunch of things that have kind of been written in the last 10 years or so. And he's just a really interesting writer who takes um, kind of horror concepts. Like, for example, um, A Head Full of Ghosts is is kind of a haunted house mashed up with an exorcism story, but grounded in contemporary society because it's about, like, while this haunting and exorcism is happening, a family has invited a reality TV crew in to film it all. Oh. So it's, it's kind of got that kind of interesting aspect to it where it's like these kind of old-worldy things meeting um, new world um, ideas. And then Cabin at the End of the World um, is a great book about um, a couple who are faced with um, basically an apocalyptic scenario where they're um, at a they're at a lakeside cabin and then four strangers rock up and say one of them has to be sacrificed or else the world will end. And it's just about how they kind of... Oh, I like that, isn't it? As a it happens and as the ordeal goes on, whether they actually start believing it or not. Um, so that's another good one. Another interesting one that I wanted to mention is this one got turned into a Netflix movie recently. Um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. <gasps> I watched it. What did you think of the movie? Uh... I didn't actually realize it was based on a book. Now I want to read the book. I I liked the movie. I actually, in preparation for this podcast, this is a can we can we sideways segue and then return to just a little sidebar is that I realized all of the things that sprang to mind when when it posed with the question, what is what's your favorite scary anything are movies. So I really gravitate towards scary disturbing film, but not so much in books. And I don't know why that is, but 
to return to. That particular one, I liked it. What's the book like? Uh, the book is the movie is a is a decent adaptation of the book up until the final act when they veer off on very separate. Ooh. The book is the the book is very clear on what has happened, whereas the movie you walk away and it's just it's uh, like the movie you walk away it's just scratching your head. Um, I'm really intrigued now. But the book is the book is explicit about what what has happened, what what the mystery at the heart of it is, and it's um I don't know why they didn't didn't go with the ending because it's a great ending. Um, I the- love an uncertain ending though. Like I had no issues with the ending of that. I didn't know there was a another one out there to mm. compare it to. But I I didn't the way that the film ended to me was I'm I have to say I have a weakness for those like interpret it yourself type endings where there's <laughs> there's room for I love it. I love it because then it, it sort of keeps the story living in your head because you might, I'm trying to think of another example of an ending like this, and of course I can't, but I I remember trying to justify my love of these type of endings before to people, and I'm the, the reason I always give is that every time you think of that book, you might have changed your mind on how you interpreted that ending based on who you are now versus who you are when you first saw it or whatever. It's just, it keeps the story alive. Um, uncertain mm. endings all the way. That said, I now want to 100% know what the book ending is because, because that's very intriguing to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I can tell you after the podcast if you if you really want to know. <laughs> yes. Or do, yes, I do. Okay. You know me. I don't care about spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. And then um, the, the last one that I wanted to mention uh, is a book called uh, Dark Matter um, by Michelle Paver. This is not Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. This is a different Dark Matter. Um, and it's a little novella. It's set in the 1930s and it's about an, expe- an expedition um, who uh, go to the Arctic Circle to conduct some research. And uh, they find themselves stranded at this bay that none of the locals want to go near because apparently there's something untoward that has happened there in the past. Um, and it's just about how, you know, trapped in the cold and the dark as they are in the Arctic winters up there, um, things start to unravel and something starts to knock on the door. And it's um, it's really good. Oh. Very, very atmospheric. Awesome. Uh, cool. So um, the last one, that um, last subject that we wanted to quickly discuss was a question that I thought I would throw over to Joel. Will a horror novel ever win the Booker Prize? Uh, I think this is this is uh, a, a topic aligned with <laughs> what we were talking about, Tournemieville earlier. I think Tournemieville is one of those highly underappreciated um, genre authors who crosses clearly over into literary fiction. Um, uh, and there's been argument for years about whether you know every time he has a particularly good book out. <clears throat> There's one. There's always some uh, speculation as to whether it will end up getting listed for the Booker, and I don't has think it ever, it ever has. <clears throat> I don't think he, any of his books have been, and it feels like what the distinction has to be, or has historically been, with the Booker is that um, if it's uh, a literary author who's attempting to write genre um, from that's a literary allowed. perspective, that's allowed. So you, Margaret Atwood, or Margaret mm. Atwood, or um, so on who writes you know sci-fi sci-fi books essentially or specfic books that are <coughs> clearly specfic spec and clearly sci-fi uh, but they come at it from a literary sensibility first and foremost 
uh, they they are allowed into the the club. But if you come from genre fiction and try to write, and you just write a really good genre fiction book, uh, even if it has, you know, if even if it causes you to really think and challenges, you know, deep conceptions of things, I think it's tainted it's by it's genre. Tainted by genre and doesn't get in. And I, I mean, I think I've been through a couple of different iterations in my mind about this over the years. I used to publish a lot of genre fiction <clears throat> as a publisher in my other life. Uh, and, you know, my partner is a is a, a commercial fiction publisher. Uh, she doesn't just publish genre, but she publishes primarily books that, you know, people want to read. <laughs> uh, and I I think over time I've come to, the, to accept things like the Booker as just being their things about literary fiction. And literary fiction is just a genre. It has its own conventions. It has its own specific things it's trying to do. And ultimately, um, genre fiction is different from that. And I, I don't think we should, if we think about the booker as purely just being the award given to the best possible book that year, then that's that's a, that's the wrong way of thinking about it, I guess. I would just that's say- That's a really good way of looking it's, at it's, it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an award for a particular genre of book that people like and really mm. want to read, but it's not the same as, um, genre fiction and so therefore I don't think a, a true horror novel will probably ever get nominated for a um, booker it will always have it will always be tainted by literary fiction unless in order, in order to unless be it's written <clears throat> it happens to be written by an established literary fiction author in which case yes. it might <laughs> yes true but I still think even then that person won't be able to help writing a literary novel that just is influenced by horror or something mm -hmm. you know uh, it'll have so to would, be crossover. It wouldn't really classify as horror. Possibly not. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's mm. not a really clear-cut dis distinction. No, Even between not, the different... No genre is a, cl a clear-cut. I yeah. guess that's what we were talking about earlier, about horror as its own distinct genre. Um, it's got so many crossovers with thriller and mm. sci-fi, fantasy and other, other genres. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Uh, I, <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah maybe a horror novel never will be nominated for the booker, but a lot of horrible novels are nominated every, every year. <laughs> Taking a swing at the booker. <laughs> they can handle it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I, think, I, I think that's a great point, Joel, um, that, you know, literary fiction does have its own conventions and its own kind of, you know, audience and, and its own fans. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that having its having its like little space of recognition without, you know, kind of the the genre people necessarily need to kick the door down. Um, but I yeah, I, I would be interested to see somebody like Margaret Atwood try and write a horror novel. Like I think that would be mm. that would be really cool. Um, but then if she did, um, as we saw like last year with Ian McEwan when he wrote that book, Machines Like Me, which is all about I, robots. And then anytime anybody tried to tell him it was science fiction, he threw a massive tantrum about it and like would not would not hear of it. So mm. that's just, oh, it's just so ridiculous. That's, I think that's really upsetting. Thing. Margaret Atwood does sort of accept that she's writing science fiction or um, dystopian. Yeah. dystopian or whatever. And Ursula Le Guin, I'm not sure if she was actually ever nominated, she probably wasn't nominated. She's considered herself to be a. And actually, Kazuo Ishiguro, who um, mm. who has strayed into, who is very much a, a literary author, but who has written several things that sort of cross into sci-fi or, or like fantasy. He actually, I remember, I, I should 
look, I'm going off memory and this is from years ago, but I think he once like wrote on this subject and was really, I think like, he did, yeah. Yeah, I think he was very embracing of this like um break the barriers down between <laughs> between literary and genre. It's usually right after they've written a novel that people are calling science fiction yeah. or something. <laughs> and so they write it and then they and then they get sort of criticized for it because their fan base is, is is literary and and then they write this like break down the doors make everything equal and open and you're like well yeah <laughs> I, I don't know I, I i like i said i've gone in strings and roundabouts about it but the way i feel about mm. it at the moment is more like that instead of trying to bash the doors down and get a bunch of genre fiction authors into the booker why don't we just stop thinking of the booker as being the best possible book it's not I am really, I strongly agree with that. And that leaves the way open for a new award that's just complete across the board best book in genre or <laughs> literature. Like just I'm not sure book. if that's possible though, is it? I don't know. How, they do how it. Do you, in how do you compare it? It's like when you. Who's judging it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but how do you compare? Like, it's like when you read a review from someone who doesn't really like the genre of book they're reading. And you think, well, why did you write this review? What are you really achieving? You're just telling people about how you don't like the genre. That's not really mm -hmm. a review of the book itself. Um, we would have well, to have, <laughs> it would have to be an award with a judging panel that was really broad across, mm. across um, you know, whether it's authors or publishers, just across people's expertise and stuff. So it would just have to be, what is the best one? considerations like what sold the most would probably go into it like but that's um, hard too isn't it yeah, i think yeah. the oscars have tried to address this by having the the blockbuster award that they brought up briefly and then dropped <laughs> where they were going to try and bring an award <laughs> to a blockbuster i i, I kind of just think let's just not make it part of the thing like it's it's a, it's its own thing to each category uh, its own best. award they want they want to keep calling it the best thing ever let's just throw shade on that and just keep having a, a, awards for each category as it makes sense, you know? Yeah. But why does it have to, why does there have to be one thing that's best overall? It's, it's sort of a ludicrous idea when you think about it. Mm. I um, kind of love the idea though. I love, yeah. <laughs> I love, I would love like the ultimate best book of the year if it could somehow be fair. <laughs> yeah, we need to have, we need to have Ben in this discussion so he can represent the tree. The side of things. Maybe none, of, none of us are like literary stands. <laughs> Maybe what we need to do at the end of the year is look at all of the books that won like the best award in like whatever genre, like the Hugo Award winner, the Bram Stoker Award winner, the Ned Kelly Award winner, the Booker Prize winner, and then do like a, a face off between all of them. And then like oh, that's a great idea. Battle yeah, of the Award winners. One of them would be the the top, the top, the top book. <laughs> a huge clash of the titans. I like yeah. it. I like that a lot. All right. <laughs> let's, let's make it happen. All right, we can do this. It's starting, it's sure. about, it's starting to sound like a, a Booktopia strategy meeting and not a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, it's not going to be an award. It's going to be a blog post. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, on that note, um, thank you very much for joining me today, uh, Joel and Sarah. Um, and uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen and happy Halloween and enjoy your scary books. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. 
don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au. Thank you.